In today's conversation, I get to talk with Sam Kabird. He is an expert on work-life balance. He calls it soul-life balance, and he's going to explain a a little bit more about what that means. I know for any freelancing or entrepreneur parent out there, having that balance is extremely important because the whole purpose of what we're doing here is to help you know how you can earn more money in less time working from home so that you can spend the time you want with your family, the time that they really deserve. Sam Uh, He spent a lot of his early career building up a lot of success. He's built million dollar businesses. But throughout that whole time, he was able to only work a few hours per day. And his path led him to being named in Silicon Valley's 40 under 40 list at the age of 31. And it took some time for him to eventually realize that he wasn't uh, overly happy, even though he had a lot of success because he didn't understand that soul life balance part of the equation. And he'll talk about that today. Sam's overall mission is to reframe the way that we look at our lives as it relates to work and realize where work should be placed in the formula that is enjoying our life. Sam's also going to talk a little bit about how to make money as a content creator, because we talk about all sorts of different types of freelancing and entrepreneurial stuff that you could do working from home. And one of those things is being a content creator, whether you're creating videos on YouTube, blog posts, whatever it is you're creating, how do you make money creating content? Sam's going to discuss some tips with you today on what the possibilities are with that. Welcome to the show, Go Back to Bed, where we wake up early to discuss how to balance and build a business and a family when they're all under the same roof. Whether you call yourself a freelancer, entrepreneur, or small business owner, you love working at home, or you would like to, because family comes first. I'm Chad Grevelese, and I am a full-time husband and dad first, part-time entrepreneur, work-from-home enthusiast, and self-employment advocate. In our conversations, you won't just learn philosophy, you'll get practical advice from me and other self-employed families so that you can start your day with clear priorities and confidence to pursue your goals. Join our conversations so you can create the work-life balance that every family needs. Glad you're here. You are an expert when it comes to uh, work-life balance, and you're going to reframe that a bit for us and and, and give us a, a different description of what that really means um, first, I want you to introduce yourself to those who are listening and watching on a bit about how you built your business and whatever you've been involved in um, on only a few hours a day of working. You've really figured out how to master having the right balance and having the right approach to building up success. And a lot of a lot of this audience are are they're, they're busy raising families and they they want to figure out how to earn more money in less time working from home. And we'd love to hear a little bit about your story and and what you've managed to achieve. Absolutely. Thank you, Chad. Um, Yeah. So I've been an entrepreneur pretty much since day one of my career. I started my business in college um, and that was about 10 years ago. So it's been going strong ever since. And I initially had employees and this is back like, you know, I started in 2011, um, probably around 2013, 14. 
I had gotten interested in working with virtual assistants, you know, much um, Tim Ferriss, right? <laughs> Everyone knows Tim Ferriss these days, but they might be more familiar with his podcast or whatever it might be. But really what got him started, in my opinion, at least was the four hour work week. And I read that book and was like, oh, wow, yeah, that's cool. And he has this concept of the NR, which stands for the new rich. And basically it comes down to like, what is the amount of money you need to make on a monthly basis to live your dream lifestyle, right? And then building it around that. And one of the things he talks about is working with freelancers. So when I first got started, um, I like to joke, it was kind of like, going to the candy store and filling up on samples. You know, we all do that five finger discount on um, taffy and then you end up buying something and then you're already full from the taffy and then you're kind of disappointed when you walk away. And that's what it was like for me when I first started working with virtual assistants. I went to fiverr.com, which is a website where you can hire people, freelancers, VAs, whatever, um, for pretty much anything for like five bucks at minimum for a task. So I didn't know what I really wanted done, but I would like do these different things, like maybe a whiteboard drawing or whatever. And it was like sampling it because it was only five bucks. Right. But at the end of the day, like it, it was just like, it wasn't moving the needle and it was just, it was just like, eh, whatever. So I kind of forgot about it for a few years. That is until I started my first podcast and we launched in January of 2017. And I quickly realized that I did not want to be doing the editing of the audio. I didn't want to build a website, do the IT stuff. I didn't want to do graphic design, any of that. So right off the bat, there was opportunities to work with VAs that made a lot of sense. I had employees in my business, but the podcast was to drive um, – it was lead gen, essentially. It's a funnel to drive to the business, right? So instead of like me one day just waking up being like, oh, how can I put VAs in my business? I kind of accidentally fell into it through the podcast. And since then, I've had five of my own podcasts. I've managed four others, so a total of nine or something, a couple YouTube shows. So I've done video editing. I wrote three books in a year. So really serial content creator. And I'd say uh, I'm going back and forth, but after about a year or so of working with VAs on that initial podcast, um, I had an employee that I had to let go. Then my right-hand man in my business, um, he gave us two weeks, and I joked that I did what all great entrepreneurs did. I do when something like that happens. I ordered a pizza, and I got a six-pack of beer. And I said, I'm not going to bed until I figured this out. And that's why I made the conscious decision to just move forward in my business with a virtual assistant um, model. And now it's probably been about four years that we've been going just VA. So with all my various projects, you know, content creation, I have a couple businesses now, everything is managed by VAs. I probably have you know, a core team of like eight virtual assistants, but up to like 15 for different things and backups. Um, but yeah, my new business, I teach entrepreneurs how to scale their business um, by building out virtual assistant teams. That's great. So is that the main thing you're involved in now? Kind of, sort of. I kind of dance back between the two businesses because they don't require too much uh, time. So it's kind of just where my intention needs to go because I've built out both of my businesses so that the team really is running it and I don't have to really be involved too much. I check both 
email inboxes multiple times a day. Um, but I wouldn't say I have like a larger focus on one than the other, maybe a larger focus on the VA one, because that's where I want to go. It's called clone yourself. That's the name of the business. And it, I'm still growing it. It's only been two years. Whereas Swagworks, my first business, I started back in college 10 years ago, that, that business is rocking and rolling. So I don't really need to do too much there. Gotcha. Well, that's great. Um, thanks for sharing a bit about that, that that really is the key there with hiring virtual assistants. That's how I've been able to scale my business beyond. I started out as a freelancer and got to a point where I couldn't continue to increase my income, just trading hours for, for money. But I, at least I liked being able to be self-employed and then starting to hire uh, other freelancers to take on certain aspects of, of the business really made a big difference. So what so you talked about being a serial content creator. Is that what you, what do you love most doing with the different, as you've explored doing things yourself and then hiring various things out, it seems as if you do certainly enjoy creating content. Where Where is the spot that you enjoy the most that you really thrive in when it and everything else you'd rather hire out for? I mean, yeah, you pretty much nailed it. You know, I like creating the content. So I have two podcasts currently. And I have, um, I have a food show on YouTube with a co-host, but that kind of got pushed to the back burner with the pandemic. We probably had, had like 30 plus like quality videos, like really good, like a, you know, local version of diners, drive-ins and dives kind of in, you know, based in Silicon Valley, that's in the area in which I live. So that one was really fun, but we don't really get to do that one anymore. I have another video series that. I only do every now and then it's called brochuality where I break down, um, hidden spiritual themes and bro type comedy movies. And that's really fun to do. But again, like both of those projects, the, the videos and the podcasts, like I'm just like actually creating the content, not editing the content. And now I'm starting my fourth book and same thing. Like I'm, I'm really passionate about what the book's about and the actual writing of the book, but also I won't be, you know, the editor for my own book. I won't be doing the graphic design for it. I won't be, you know, making all the marketing materials and all that sort of thing. I'll be doing the writing. So yeah, to answer your question, I definitely do enjoy creating content more than anything. Yeah. So how, how does somebody make money creating content for those that are not familiar with that they're they're a consumer of content but they haven't really created content they're trying to figure out what type of online business to create uh that they can for the most part do from home um so how does a content creator make money how do how can they support themselves and their families doing that yeah that that's an excellent question and you know the the truth is most of us aren't going to have the downloads or the views or the reach really uh, to have ads and really have ads replace our business and be like, oh yeah, I'm just a content creator. Because for anyone listening, you guys can check me out on social media and I have a very small following and I haven't been able to grow it yet. I've been very profitable with my content because I've been strategic in the first 12 months of launching my first podcast, I was $60,000 net positive um, in the podcast in terms of lead gen because it funneled to my swag business. So to back up, a lot of people 
think about creating content to sell to their audience. And the truth is most of us aren't going to have that reach. You know, some people break through, but most people won't be able to. And if you don't have a large enough net, then you're going, you're not going to have people taking you up on your offers. If you have a high ticket uh, product that you're selling or that you're representing and there's a large commission, then yeah, possibly. But you know, for most of us that listen to like, say Joe Rogan, who's one of the biggest podcasters and you listen to his ads, most of his ads are going to be a small percent. Like it's not like a big sale, like thousands of dollars, you know, take alpha brain, one of on products that sells for, you know, maybe 60 bucks or something. He would need to uh, have a lot of people use his code to alpha brain to make any money, which luckily for him, he has tons of followers, right? But for most of us, we're not going to have that. So if you can align yourself with a product that you're representing, that's um, a larger sale, that would be one way to sell to your audience. But what I like to do is more create relationships with the guests on my show and build a show that is strategic to something that um, matches my target demographic. So for example, my first podcast, um, was a movers and shakers show in Silicon Valley and I sell swag, promotional products, right? So I would interview with my co-hosts, these people doing big things in Silicon Valley, you know, they're all executives and I've always believed in the principle of law of reciprocity, which basically means like you give first, this is the give first economy, right? So when I was really hard in sales, um, building up my business, I would have a lot of products that either had my own company logo on it, where, you know, they would be gifts for uh, clients or when I had the podcast, if it was a bigger client, I might print something with their logo. Point being, when I come in to do the interview, the first thing I do is put in some sweet quality promotional products, swag on the table. And they're like, oh, you don't do the podcast full time? And then my co-host would be like, oh, no, he sells swag. We call him Swag Sam. And then they're like, oh, why don't we buy our swag from you? And then I go, oh, I don't know. Why don't you? And then they tell you know Susie Admin, like, hey, look into working with Sam and then boom, deal closed. Um, so that's really how I've monetized the first business. And to recap, it's by building relationships with your guests and strategic partners as well. It could be sponsors, whatever. And I'll talk about sponsors in a second um, and have that audience that you're interviewing for your podcast that you're inviting onto your guests or inviting onto your show to be a guest match your target demographic. So in terms of like sponsors, I know I mentioned like ads on your podcast. We got creative, you know, in late 2016, I started seeing some friends getting into content creation, some other things. And I really wanted, uh, had the bug because I was a guy in Silicon Valley selling promotional products. Like no one cares about that. You know, like I, I had a huge chip on my shoulder. I was on the board of a couple nonprofits. The first one at age 23, um, I chaired a young professionals group called Silicon Valley Young Professionals. And it was all great networking, but I knew I needed something more. So that was kind of like the itch to get into content creation. And then from there, since we had this podcast called What Up Silicon Valley, and at the time in Silicon Valley, you know, even still now kind of, it's kind of stale, you know, it's not as 
the heart of Silicon Valley, is San Jose, it's not San Francisco. And San Jose is a very old school community. So there were certain business networking groups like the Silicon Valley Capital Club, the Silicon Valley Business Journal that saw what we were doing and they said, we want to support you guys. Then they would share our podcast and we had them be a sponsor, like all this different stuff, which helped us with our reach as well. Um, so there's just a few ideas um, that have worked for me. Definitely. Well, those are really great ideas. And it seems like by leveraging those relationships, um, you are able to really make the most use of your time that as you create content, you're getting quite a bit of money from that content that maybe you spent a couple of hours putting together some content or a show and what you can get out of that from sponsors and from funneling people into your business um, really does compound quite a bit where you're, you're, you're not just getting a, you know, $25 an hour for the time you put in. It really adds up when you add all those things together. Tell us a little bit about soul life balance and what does that mean and how do we achieve that? Absolutely. So this whole thing of work-life balance, you know, it always resonated with me. I always loved it. You know, I'm 33 right now. And I think I first heard work-life balance in high school or something, you know, still a kid. And I was like, oh yeah, that sounds good for like a career to have that type of ability to, you know, not be consumed by work or whatever. And it's always been painted as this great picture. Well, um, I've had a lot of success in my career. And uh, recently I was named to Silicon Valley's 40 under 40. I think I was 31 at the time as well. And I kept achieving all these goals. I was crushing it in sales, profits really, not even sales, profits. And it, it, my girlfriend at the time was a professional. She was a cheerleader for my favorite football team. You know, I had everything I wanted, but I wasn't happy. And I was actually really depressed. And that led me to ayahuasca, which is a plant medicine for healing. And after I sat with this medicine, it really was the healing and it opened me up to spirituality. I went deep down the path of spirituality. But one of the first things that came to me in sitting with this medicine was the concept of soul life balance rather than work life balance. And what happened was for me was I kept chasing goals for that dopamine hit of achieving a goal. But what happens after that, then you're left with nothing, right? Because it's only the, in the moment that you get that dopamine rush. So I was essentially an addict to work, right? And I thought in a lot of ways that I had work-life balance and I did, I did. I had work balance as you point out, Chad, you know, I was only working a few hours a day. It's not like I was overworking. Yes, I had big goals and stuff, but I didn't have a connection to my higher self, to my soul, to anything. And whether you are spiritual, religious, agnostic, whatever the case may be, we all have certain things that just kind of put us back and are like, oh, this feels really good. And I don't want to get too far down into spirituality and say like meditation or journaling or things like that. I'm talking about simple things like looking at a sunset or walking around, you know, your neighborhood without your shoes, which is called earthing and being connected to the ground. Like there can be really simple things that just like help you breathe intentional breaths, right? So the whole idea of soul life balance rather than work life balance is a reframe where we realize work is just a component of life and we don't put as big an emphasis on work and we put more of a, 
of an emphasis of feeding our soul, connecting with our soul on a daily basis. What that looks like is different for everyone. I mentioned a few things for me. I love yoga. I love breath work. Um, I do love uh, walking around my neighborhood without shoes and just being connected to the earth. And those are just some simple things that aren't too, you know, intimidating for the common person. But the point here is like, this is part of the programming of society, you know, like we're told like this work-life balance thing and it's made to sound great. Like, oh, we glorify being a weekend warrior. Well, what is that really saying? Oh, we're going to work all week so that we can have two days and go hard and actually enjoy our life. And what right does that actually make sense? We save all our money for retirement so that when we're old, we can enjoy ourselves in our free time and travel. That doesn't make sense either. So if you think about it and you really start to unpack the propaganda that is work-life balance, it's, it's to keep us satisfied, to keep us from asking questions and just be like, oh yeah, life is good. Like I have this trip plan, I have this vacation, and we have this PTO saved up. But in reality, that's no way to live, right? So that's why um, my proposals around soul life balance where we start to you know, have these vacations or these trips or these things we do outside of work that really connect us to ourselves more often than you know, just spending our lives working. Thanks for explaining that. And I love how you brought up those simple things that we can do because we do get, uh, sometimes we attach enjoying life to that vacation we take once a year. Oh, I have time off, just like you talked about. Um, but just, but then you're missing life in between. Life happens every single day. And it's those simple things that we can do to connect with ourselves, to connect with others, to connect with the world around us. Um, that's what brings that joy. So thank you for explaining that to us because that really is the, as we're trying to build up a business from home, we need to be able to know how uh, to have that connection and have that joy throughout because then like you said, what's the point you get the dopamine hit when you achieve your goal. And then now what, what's, <laughs> what's next and why, why just wait until you're in your sixties to start living life. Um, and there's so many ways that we can achieve that now for, for those that want to learn more about soul life balance and everything you're doing, how can they connect with you and find you? And also maybe if you wanted, you can mention a little bit about either one of the books you've previously written or the one you're writing now, if you want. Absolutely. Yeah. So connecting with me is uh, easiest just going to uh, samkabert.com, S-A-M-K-A-B as in boy, E-R-T.com, or just follow me on Instagram, Sam Kabert. Um, I talk a lot on Instagram about spiritual stuff. So if you're not into that, you might not be into that, but I do talk a lot about soul life balance. Um, I am entering a sprint of finishing my book. It'll probably be published in December or January of 2022. So it's coming up soon. But as I, um, you know, get closer to releasing the book, a lot of the content I am talking about is going to be even more centered around soul life balance. One of the books I wrote is called, um, 
the written goal. If you're someone who struggles with accountability and whatnot, I would recommend checking out this book called The Written Goal. And Harvard released a study. I forget off the top of my head what the percentage is, but basically like you're 90% more likely to achieve your goals if you write down your goals. And this book is literally like worksheets that will help you. It's not just like a book that you read. It's more of a workbook. And the other book that you guys might be interested in is, um, I don't even know what's called this was my first book and i did a terrible job with the, the title of it um it's like working with virtual assistants or something like it's a terrible title but the book is great um so yeah that's my book about working with vas and obviously clone yourself clone yourself university.com there's a ton of free resources on that website i have blogs i have free i have like almost 10 free downloads that will help you guys in the first 15 episodes of the clone yourself podcast walk you through step by step on how to scale your business with vas so any of those resources i call to you great well thanks so much sam for for telling us about those resources that we can really tap into to help grow our business. And I'm glad that you came on the show today. Awesome, Chad. Thank you so much for having me. I hope you enjoyed that conversation with Sam. If you're interested in the things that he talked about, be sure to check out his website, his podcast, his books, all of that. If you haven't subscribed, be sure to subscribe to the YouTube channel. Also, you can go to Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, all the main podcast platforms and subscribe there. Airlight.tv is where you'll find show notes for this episode and be able to find other episodes and other content and resources for you if you are trying to build up success as a freelancing parent. Hope you have a good day.